You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, Friday edition, and guess who's back? It is the Peacock and Williamson Show again today. Matt Williamson after a nice little vacation that was well-deserved. And Matt, I hope you enjoyed yourself over the course of a, a week or so and had a good time with the family and were actually able to unplug and relax a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was a blast. Um, because of COVID and some other things, we've had to cancel the last two nice vacations we had planned. One of them was a, a good f- friend of the family uh, going to Atlantis. Another one was going to see a buddy in Jacksonville. So we actually pulled the trigger and walked out the door and got one done. We had a couple of bumps in the road. I mean, we flew from Pittsburgh to D.C., but as we were leaving Pittsburgh, they realized the radios on the plane weren't working, so that flight got delayed. It was like a 6.45 a.m. flight. We got up at 4, I think. And by the time we got to D.C., the connecting flight to Florida had already left, so they put us up in a hotel in D.C. because of the, the problems, got up again at like 4 or 5 in the morning for an early flight into Key West, and we spent the next, what, four or five nights in the Keys. But there was a hurricane there in the process, too. So a couple <laughs> little speed bumps, but we had a blast. Yeah, all right. So you skated through a hurricane <laughs> while uh, we skated through a little earthquake here in California. It wasn't That's a big shaker, but a couple rocks fell down on a road somewhere near Lake Tahoe, I think I saw. But yeah, it was nothing nothing big happened here. But um, yeah, that sounds like a, quite an adventure there with yeah. everything you had to deal with the flight thing is is what's rough about vacation that's usually the thing uh, that grizzles you and makes you feel like like if you get the flights out of the way first then vacation and not have to fly back but like the flights and rushing around especially with the family and children that's the part that really starts to wear on you and sometimes you get back from vacation and don't feel like you were on a vacation no right it's 100 percent true because even to your point the thing i didn't mention yesterday is we had a flight at like two from Key West to Miami, which is like a Frisbee throw. I mean, it's the shortest flight Mm -hmm. ever, but Key West doesn't fly direct to Pittsburgh. So that flight got delayed, though. So the time we landed in Miami, we had to, like, move everybody out of the way from the back of the plane, ran out the gates, you know, got our our stuff, and barely made the, the connecting flight from Miami to Pittsburgh. So it almost happened again. I mean, it was like a maybe five minutes to spare. You know, the other thing, me being a California kid uh, and and not understanding quite what the, the humidity is like in, in some places on the East Coast, the first time, because you went to D.C., the first time I flew into Dulles Airport, I walked, it was the summertime, I walked out of the double doors of the airport, and I it felt like I walked into a wall of humidity. I had never I felt that in my life. I actually, literally, I turned around, walked back into the airport and said to myself, what the hell was that? What 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 did I just feel? That was I I was blown away because I had heard about it, but I'd never felt that. And that is a different, different thing. That's interesting that you've never experienced that. And I would say of all the things, and Pittsburgh doesn't get as bad as obviously Miami and the coast and all those things. If I could eliminate one weather thing from my hometown, it would be the humidity. It wouldn't be snow, it wouldn't be rain. I mean, it would be the humidity. And man, I mean, to your point. When I got off the plane, because it didn't go right into the tarmac or whatever, you walked off the plane in in West in uh, Key West, and you had to walk to this tiny little Key West airport. My whole family was like, "Wow!" 
what did we get into? I mean, it was just like a blanket, you know, a hot electric blanket of humidity just draped over all of us for a five minute walk in the sun. It was like, wow. Yeah, and you start to realize why people dress the way they do. Everyone's got a, you know, a sweater or a hoodie on in San Francisco in the summertime because it's still 60, 65 degrees every single day. And you see yeah. people with, you know, nice uh, loose fitting air uh, aerated shirts in Miami and in Florida. And you realize, OK, yeah, there, there's something serious going on there. I don't know how many showers you have to take every day if you lived next to the the coast on the East Coast in Florida and, and stuff like that, because that is that, that would be really hard to get used to for a long period of time. Absolutely. And if the air conditioning is not cranking, the second you get out of the shower, you start sweating again. I mean, that's awful. And to that point, I mean, just you're talking about like the clothing and stuff. One thing that if I found interesting, I was paying attention to that too. You think everyone's in like tank tops and shorts, lots of big hats, lots of like long sleeve sun shirts for the guys too. you know, that cover a lot of skin that are loose fitting still and light, you know, you're seeing tons of that stuff too, just to, keep the sun off you i mean and even the, the precautions we took i got burnt you know i was in the pool a lot and snorkeling and stuff like that it's just a way around it almost well as long as you had fun as long as you had a nice family vacation yeah. you were able to get away finally uh, i've got a little something coming up later in july as well and it's nice this summer to be able to actually travel and, and get some vacations in so yeah. uh, all good things if things are pointing in the right direction i think recharging before the season for yes. sure too i needed it and i'm happy to be home um, travels were a little, you know, again, a couple of bumps we didn't expect, but we had a blast just as the four of us as a family and met some f- fun people and, you know, got away. It was good. So for those listeners out there that uh, missed the, the Tuesday, Twitter Tuesday that we didn't have this week, cause I had some guests on all week joining me breaking down. We broke down, uh, we had what the Browns, that was good the stuff. Tuesday show that was pre-recorded. And then I got a chance to talk to a number of our fantastic hosts here on the network covering a few different teams, but that meant no Twitter Tuesday. So I've got some Twitter questions here and some folks that wanted to get in on that. So we'll hit a couple of those today. And if anybody who knows Matt Williamson knows that he wasn't going to go an entire week without at least checking in on the football world. And you did send me a couple of things while you were gone. And I, I wanted to respond like, hey, don't send me this stuff. You're on vacation. But uh, <laughs> you're looking at Pythagorean winds and, and things like that. So we'll have to get into some of those things on today's program. Some listener tweets for sure, since we didn't do any mailbag at all this week. I have a question for you, Matt, and we'll see if we have time for Pythagorean conversations, and if not, we have plenty of time in the next few weeks before training camp to get into some of those things, and we will also probably be uh, breaking down some lists. It's list season in the NFL, top 10, 100 players, whatever, at positions, continuing to preview some teams as well before 2021 training camp begins. Let me tell you about Bet Bet BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all that action at Bet Online. Get the latest news, odds, information, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, even all your UFC, MMA action. They got so much going on here. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device. It's super easy. And check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get in the game as teams preps for their runs for the playoffs as well. Uh, head to the website and or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code Locked On, all one word, all caps, Locked On. That's 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 
Let's start really quick with a question that's actually from at BD Peacock, which is me, to at Williamson NFL. So the Locked On NFL Dynasty League is into year two, and we only had 11 teams to start it up, and now we've got Bo Brock from Locked On Cardinals joining in. I don't know how you skated through and weren't in this league, by the way, Matt, but I am yeah, representing, I'm kind of I'm, I I'm representing Peacock and Williamson here in this league. I've got a nice little squad going into year two, but we have an expansion draft, which is something I've never done in a dynasty league before. Bo Brock of Locked On Cardinals jumping in, so we'll have a solid 12 teams. So everyone's protecting one guy, and I am in a situation in a two-quarterback league where I think I am going to get poached first because I'm protecting in a two-quarterback league my first pick from last year, which was Patrick Mahomes. Sure. So I also drafted Justin Herbert and Jonathan Taylor. And I think Mm -hmm. looking at all the other teams, those are going to be among the top two or three guys. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to get poached there. I'm trying to get into the head of Bo Brock and see what he thinks he wants to do because he also got the uh, number one pick in the rookie draft. So he knows he can get whichever rookie he wants. That could be in a two-quarterback league. Trevor Lawrence, one of the other other quarterbacks maybe that that runs a little bit more if he wants, but I'm, I'm guessing it's coming down to him between Trevor Lawrence and Najee Harris. So my question to you, Matt, if you were Bo Brock, and if shout out to Bo if he's listening to this show, giving yeah, him a, lex, yeah. a little extra inside information into this league, and I'm not going to hold it against you, Bo, if you steal one of my players because I understand I got a I got a good roster to poach from right now. Okay, it hurts you though. Yeah, it does. It will hurt me. Yeah. Would you rather start your dynasty franchise with Trevor Lawrence and Jonathan Taylor at quarterback running back or with Justin Herbert and Najee Harris at quarterback running back? It's a great question. Um, First of all, a little little shout out to Locked on Dynasty. We talk about this a lot, and I wasn't on the show this week either for for that podcast. They filled in nicely for me as well. Thanks for everyone on both podcasts that uh, you know, picked up the slack, probably took the ball and scored, you know, ran with it, got in the end zone. Um, Superflex leagues, rookie drafts, Lawrence is the clear one. If it's not a Superflex, to me, Najee's the clear one. And I think that's becoming clearer to everyone as well. Mm-hmm. Lawrence versus Herbert, to me, is a pretty good question because I really like what Herbert did. I don't want to say they're equal talents, but they're not far off. I mean, in terms of upside, I have some questions about the Jags organization as a whole and this coaching staff. I mean, just a little bit of unprovenness, not that the Chargers are super stable. Um, I've been meaning to bring this up, but it's kind of a fantasy nugget. And I didn't know you're going to ask me this question, but this is more of a redraft conversation. As great as Jonathan Taylor is and was down the stretch last year, I don't think he's for me for fantasy because I really think he's going to split time much more than Harris, much more than Mixon, McCaffrey, Barkley, you know, some of these true bell cows because I think Marlon Mack's going to have a small role. And I think Naheem Hines is going to have a big role. I mean, he is an integral part of that passing game and does what he does very well. So Taylor to me is a smidge overrated. So if I'm you, I, you can only protect one guy, though, right? You can't protect. Yes. So I'm protecting okay, so Mahomes already. So two. both both of those players are wide open for Bo yeah. to take, and I'm trying to wrap my brain around it and, and and formulate my plan now, trying to figure out which guy I think he's going to take from me because I think he's going to take okay. one of those two guys. Or he, I mean, he could go quarterback, quarterback too. Is that a route you would take? 
that's the route I would take. That, that There's a long roundabout answer of saying, boy, would I like to start my Superflex team with Herbert and Lawrence. Wow. Yeah. But that's and, 30 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, and that was sort of my thought last year in the in the startup was I'm going to do quarterback heavy and worry about running back later. And and running back was a downfall for me because I didn't have much. And Jonathan Taylor wasn't great to start the season either. And I went really young and it turned out at the end of the year, I've got a really good roster, but I, I kind of struggled a little bit at the beginning. Um, but it, now that I think about it, what long-term in a dynasty league is going to help you the most. If you have two superstar quarterbacks, that's a great way to start. That are both like twenty four and under, and you know yes. immense talents, and you know good situations, and yeah. To me, with all respect to Harris and Taylor, who are great, if I can start with Herbert and Lawrence, and just the next couple of years, not worry at all about quarterbacks, start those guys every week for 10, 12 years or whatever, you're going to be hard to beat. So I beg the question, though. It seems like you guys are being a little kind to Bo as an entry as a team coming into the league. Yeah. I mean, he gets a first overall pick. He's going to steal. How many players does he get to steal? Does he get to steal one from every team? Yeah. Or so how does it, that work? essentially, every it, it's almost like a new draft where he's the last pick in every round. So every every team gets to 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 protect one player essentially every round of the expansion draft. So from that oh, standpoint, okay. so, essentially what he's doing here is he's picking last in every round from our rosters, and then he gets the first pick in the rookie draft. That's not too bad. So your roster is only – the only guy you're guaranteed to have next year is Mahomes. Yes. And then – It's not he, like a rookie – it's not like an expansion draft in like hockey or basketball where you put all these guys up and you get them back if he doesn't take them. Well, yeah, so uh, essentially what happens is if he does take one of my players, then I get to protect. I, I am the only one that gets to protect three more guys instead of just one for the next round. So I protect myself more if he does take one from me. So then in the next I round, okay. he's not going to take one of my guys. He'll take somebody else's player. Then that team will be able to protect more guys. So okay, it, it, you know, that, so you're still in a good shot spot because you still have the best guy in the league. In Mahomes. Yes, yes. It just doesn't look as strong because I was going to roll into this draft with, uh, you know, a top young quarterback, the best quarterback in the league, and a top young running back, and then some other nice pieces on my roster as well. So I'm going to lose at least one, but then I'll be able to protect my other top guys, so I think I'll still be in okay shape. And I I do have a pretty high pick because my team, amazingly, did not make the playoffs, and the consolation bracket was deciding the top of the draft, so I ended up drafting second, now third with the expansion player drafting first so i can replace that quarterback uh, or running back at the top of the draft in the rookie draft mm-hmm. you have resources yes cool okay so hypothetical if Bo drafts jonathan taylor you could immediately then pr- protect herbert yes i protect herbert i protect or uh, who else do i have on this roster uh, george kittle and you know whatever my next mm-hmm. three guys are instead of just protecting one per round if you get poached you get to protect three guys Okay, so whoever your best four are, not including Mahomes, you're going to keep three of those. Yes, exactly. Okay, and worst case scenario for you, in my opinion, would be losing Herbert, but you still have Mahomes, and And, you'd keep Taylor Kittle and somebody else good. And if maybe Bo decides to go another direction, take somebody from another team in the first round, then in round two, I get to protect Herbert then. Uh, And then in in that case most likely for sure I would lose Jonathan Taylor. So I still think I'm going to lose Taylor either way. I mean, I don't know the league, but if we're doing a total dynasty super flex startup, 
Herbert's easily a first round pick and maybe like a top six or seven guy. I'd have a hard time believing that somebody's exposed in the league that's worth more than that. I think there is somebody who maybe has someone else with two good quarterbacks or also you know, two good quarterbacks. Yes, and it's, it's like really the only other option he would have. Okay. Well, keep your fingers crossed. Yeah, but I'll all in all, you're not going to be in bad shape. I'm going to be in good shape, and I'm such a good manager, I'll overcome it very quickly, Matt. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It, that's <laughs> I don't talk about this a lot on the air, but <laughs> I have such fantasy hubris that sometimes it hurts me. You know, it's like, I'll figure it out. Yeah. I'm smarter than all these guys. <laughs> you know, like, I always do with team defenses. Like, I always, and that's the one thing I'm actually right about is I'm never going to take one of the top five team defenses in a redraft league. I'll figure it out. Then I'll still get more production on my defense than 90% of the people in the league. And trades. Uh, I can be and active trade. to try to make up for this and maybe add an extra pick to, to make up for my guy. If someone wants to move up to the third pick in the draft or something like that. So uh, there's a lot of things I can do here. So it's fun. Yeah. That's, that's the fun with Dan dynasty. It's not just one and done. You get to build a thing for a while and you get to, uh, see your vision all the way through and since i listen to locked on dynasty every day i'm one step ahead of everybody else now, of course you are good plug there <laughs> i'm kind of not happy i'm not in this league i'm not sure why i turned it down or if i didn't get the i think i did turn it down you turned it down it up you were in too many leagues last year league. and then i'm talking yeah. to you a couple weeks ago and you're talking about all your new startup dynasty leagues that you're in and i'm thinking what, are you, what are you doing over here two hyperactive leagues folded this off season so oh. all of a sudden i had a little bit more time and space and i didn't join the scott fishbowl this year because i didn't put enough attention into it yeah you know what i haven't joined the scott fishbowl in a couple of years for that reason i really a couple of years ago uh dropped a lot of my fantasy leagues uh out and just some of the old ones with some of my oldest friends and even one of those went away this year too this summer this labor day there's gonna be one less draft for me to go to in person so a lot fewer leagues and i can pay attention to the ones i'm actually in a little bit more now yeah i, I have great respect for the scott fishbowl we haven't brought that up much this year and that's why I'm not in it, because I felt like I was disrespectful to the league because I didn't put enough attention to it. Mm -hmm. And frankly, there wasn't money involved, so it was last on my priority list. But, you know, I just didn't put the attention in it. Yeah, it's a really cool league, though, and for charity. And so mm -hmm. shout out to Scott Fish. The Scott Fish Bowl is really cool, and I'm sure a lot of listeners out there, and I know so many people are in it. It's continuing to grow and grow, and it's really huge, and it's awesome what he's done there every year and the work he puts in. So shout out to Scott Fish, even though neither one of us are in Scott Fish Bowl anymore. Absolutely. And my co-host, actually, Ryan McDowell, does a lot with Scott Fishbowl now, too. He's kind of like the, the right-hand man of it. So, good stuff. Definitely the kickoff to the fantasy football season happening right now and seeing everybody's draft results coming in from the Scott Fishbowl. Fun times. We will continue the fun times here on today's show with some of your questions next. I always love it when I get a new flavor from Built Bar, and there's a fantastic one that I've tried, and the stamp of approval, Grasshopper Cookie. Only available this week. Order through July 9th, so get on it quickly. What does it taste like? It's the Built Bar version of the classic Thin Mint Cookie. You know what I'm talking about. It's fantastic. Those classic flavors, and the best part is, is without all that sugar. Only 150 calories, but with 17 grams of protein and only 5 grams of sugar. Get a full box, maybe a mix and match box with some of the other fantastic flavors. Peanut butter, always my favorite. Coconut, cherry, barcia, double chocolate, strawberry, cookies and cream. Low calorie, low sugar, high in protein. A snack you can feel good about and that tastes fantastic. All covered in delicious 100% real chocolate. So order today at Built. 
built.com. Yes, it's a shortened URL now. You just got to go to built.com. That's it. Built.com. Built Bar is also official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. By the way, use promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. This one from Zach. He said, Twitter Tuesday? Sorry, Zach, we didn't have a Twitter Tuesday, but we'll get to your question here on this Friday. Why not? He says, as a Seahawks fan, the national media around them is annoyingly lazy and only ever a quarter right. Russ wants to cook. Old Pete only wants to run the ball. O-line stinks. Legion of Boom is gone, etc. I would be interested to hear a deeper outside perspective on what's going on with them in 2021. What do you think, Matt? Are the Seahawks that simple where it's old coach, old ideas, run the ball, Russ wants to throw more, he's not allowed to, and they're not as good because Legion of Boom is done and they don't have as many bullets on the defensive side of the ball and the old line stinks. That's why Russ is always getting sacked. What do you think? Is it just that simple for the Seahawks in 2021? (laughs) It's funny because, again, I'm not dancing around the conversation, but I say this every year, especially whenever we do our um, over-under win bet suggestions, whatever you want to call it, and we will do that some point this year, go to the league over-under, over-under, because they, I'm a believer in analytics. Don't get me wrong. I'm not totally in. I mean, I think some of it is making numbers do what you want. You know, there's stats and lies and damn lies or whatever it's called, you know, um, yeah. and, and I do think Seattle, you can bend it to say, boy, these guys are old and don't know what they're talking about because the, the football guy and me and growing up and around teams and working for teams realizes it's more than just go check the numbers, go hire someone from MIT to run your football team. But boy, does Seattle buck that trend. You know, I mean, keeping a lot of linebackers on the field, not using dime, you know, running an extreme amount, um, the way they team build, you know, trading first round picks, obviously old coach. But I also, and part of this is just growing up in Pittsburgh with three head coaches my whole life, is when you got a coach quarterback combination that knows how to win in this league, you're always in it. I mean, you just are. And there's no doubt in my mind that the Carol Wilson conversation is maybe the epitome of that. You know, I mean, we've seen Brady and Belichick, obviously, um, Breeze and Peyton, Ben and Tom. You know, these guys have really stood the test of time. And it's a really good argument, and this has come up a lot with Brady going to Tampa Bay. Was it Belichick or Brady? You know, was it Wilson or Carroll? And frankly, I think it's both. I mean, Mahomes would be awesome anywhere, but he's better with Reed. Reed won without Mahomes, but he's sure better with Pat. You know, and if Wilson goes to... Carolina next year, I'm sure he'll do really well, but I'm sure Carroll could also build a team and a culture without with a different quarterback too, because they, you know, he's done well other places too. So they're a hard team for me to wrap my head around. I do think there's five ish teams in the league that aren't really going to go away. You know, I mean, the Steelers come to mind too of this might be a down year for them, but I can't ever imagine them bottoming out and being four or five win teams, even if things go drastically wrong. So that's what I think about Seattle, but they also wonder what's their ceiling. I mean, can they beat a healthy Rams team, a rejuvenated, healthy Niners team, let alone Tampa? I mean, are they, they're, they're always playoff contenders. I don't know if they're a Super Bowl contender. 
Yeah, it's, uh, I'm with you on on just about everything there. And with Russ, I would say, I'll start with all these points. With Russ, of course he wants to cook. Of course, and we've seen it with Rodgers. We've seen it with Brady. We've seen it with just about every great quarterback there's ever been. They want to be great. They want to be treated like they're great. And the, I think it seeps into your head a little bit, too, in, in some cases for some of these guys. So, of course, he wants everything. He wants to win. He wants to be able to put up big stats. He wants to have fun. wants to be treated like he's the superstar that he is. So I understand with the rust stuff. But he does roll into some of his own sacks. And I think Patrick Mahomes even does this a little yeah. bit, too. So the O-line stinks thing is like, well, look, they run the ball pretty well. Russ the style of football he plays, you don't want to take it away from him because it's what makes him great, but he does run into more sacks than he would if he just stayed in the pocket all the time. Maybe that would make his O-line look better, but when you look at resources and how they've built their O-lines, I think there's some truth to that as well. So that one's just only half right. Um, Legion of Boom is gone. I think this is a big one, and we see this around the league. Cover three looks great when you've got Earl Thomas and you've got prime Bobby Wagner and you've got prime Cam Chancellor and you've got prime... Sherman, Richard right. Sherman. I mean, that's a lot easier. You know, Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett. I mean, that they had the bullets to run whatever scheme they wanted to. That's just the scheme they they ran, and they did it so well. And I think that's one of the things you point out with with Pete and most good coaches is he has the guys he has, and he makes he coaches them up to play what they do well. Everybody runs Shanahan scheme now. Kyle Shanahan's running game is better than the rest of them. Why? Because there's a little bit more attention to detail. They run it better for some reason. You know, th- there's a reason that certain coaches do things better, even if other teams run the same scheme. And that's why so few teams run the cover three, the true pure cover three now, and go into more cover four and trying to protect themselves because they realize, well, shoot, we don't have Earl Thomas in center field. And we don't have Richard Sherman. And maybe the pass rush isn't there. So it makes that more difficult. So. I think most of these points, there's some truth to it. And for outside looking in, it just makes it a lot easier to simplify things by saying, yeah, Russ wants to cook and throw and Pete doesn't only wants to run the ball and the O-line stinks and Legion Boom is gone, so they're never going to be great again. I think that's the easiest way, but I think there is some truth to all those things. I 100% agree. There's no doubt about it. And uh, again, culture, I think, has a lot to do with it. And Carol brings that and the idea of winning year after year. And that's expected. I mean, that is extremely huge to me. Um, the other thing about Wilson that you didn't mention is and people forget about these things, but it was still true with Drew Brees up until you know every step of the way. He's short. I mean, he does not see things as well as mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert that see over the line of scrimmage. There's a reason the Saints put a ton of resources into their interior O-line when Breeze was there. So he could step up so he wouldn't get big bodies crashing down on him. And Seattle hasn't provided that for Wilson, so he has to scramble to see things to some degree. And a huge thing, and we should have brought this up more throughout the offseason too, is people learned how to defend Seattle a lot more as the season went on. And I mean, what was it up till like week 10? I'm guessing that, you know, Russell Wilson was in the MVP conversation. Mm-hmm. He was maybe the favorite there for a while. And then the last month and a half or so, he became a below average quarterback and a below average offense because defenses realized if we play too high and take away the Metcalf lock at deep balls, there's no middle of the field options. The, re- the running backs aren't necessarily good receivers. They don't move us well enough in the run game that we'd have to put an extra guy in the box. So they took away Wilson's great strength of buying time, deep ball, Metcalf over the top. And, 
you know, it, it seems small, but I think even like a Gerald Everett or an Eskridge, I mean, those guys were brought in for a reason to get the ball out of Russ's hands a little quicker, you know, intermediate, shorter stuff. So, you know, they, they understand it, but they became too easy to play against. They became a little one-dimensional, and I think yeah. one of the reasons why a good team still run the ball uh, is that it opens up other things, and play action works whether you run the ball well or whether you don't. That's what the numbers overwhelmingly say, so you mm-hmm. should run play action anyway because it helps you uh, even if you don't run the ball well. But um, I think short down and distances on third down, I mean, you know, there's just a formula of winning football, and Pete Carroll's been doing this for a long time, and so he wants his team to be good at the little things and, and win football games in that way. And I think you saw them get away from it, and I think maybe – He'll realize, okay, well, let's throw the ball deep and utilize that because we have that skill set. We need to score points in this league, but let's, you know, let's also still do the things we're great at that make us great. Put those together and then look out. Maybe Seattle's still, you know, that team that is is one to reckon with in 2021. Yeah, yeah. And again, I don't think they'll go away. We might have to put bump Pythagorean win totals to till next week because I, I want to talk about the defense that you brought up too with Seattle in that that scheme became a little outdated as they all do. I mean, people don't run strict cover two, you know, Tampa two, like, you know, Dungy did and, you know, Tampa and those guys. I mean, people, these offensive minds figure things out. And when you play a lot of that Seattle cover three running backs, rack up catches like crazy, you know, like go look at the running back receptions against Atlanta's defense over the last couple of years when they've been about the strictest cover three team in the league start your receiving backs against Atlanta. I mean, they just dump it in the flats and they pick up eight yards over and over. But there's other things too, route combinations and understanding the concepts. But the other thing we didn't mention is in terms of building the Legion of Boom, they had a great advantage, obviously, in that they weren't paying a quarterback big money. So they could go get Averill and Bennett off the street. But they had a pretty nice run there of drafting, you know, that, I absolutely believe some teams draft better than others, of course, but it's sort of a crapshoot and it's hard to put three or four really high quality drafts together in a row to add Wagner, Wright, Thomas, Sherman, Chancellor, and they're not all first round picks. You know what I mean? Like they had a lot of production, a lot of homegrown talent on defense. And nobody else was running the schemes that they were running to. And so this is a copycat league. People started to learn how to beat it, losing coaches, and then other teams started running the same stuff. The success of those other defenses started to decline compared to the original LOB. So for all those reasons, you know, it's just a combined thing, and you have to adjust to the adjustments. And we saw that with the Patriots. I mean, they did it for 20 years, but you stack up four bad drafts in a row, you start to get really light on talent and... You know, it helps so much. You see all the good teams around the NFL. Not only did they hit on their quarterback or whatever, they hit on these third rounders, fifth rounders, and got Great. really good yeah. players in the middle rounds of the draft where other teams were scuffling. And I, I, that's so huge to be able to just pick one of those guys off, to get a Bobby Wagner. I mean, and Russell Wilson in round right. three. You know, right. I mean, that's right. so right. huge. We saw the 49ers all of a sudden go from uh, a team that was near empty roster-wise, talent-wise, to, you know, you had a couple of good players, DeForest Buckner, and all of a sudden, boom, boom, bad team, earns a number two pick, Nick Bosa sitting there, Kittle fifth round, uh, Fred Warner third round, and that pairs with DeForest Buckner, and all of a sudden, oh, this defense is scary good, right? So those middle-round picks just help so much. Yeah, yeah, and and hitting on those is wonderful, 
But eventually they get old, or even before that, eventually they're going to get paid by somebody, yes. whether it's you or somebody else, and you have to make decisions. Like We always bring it back to the Niners and Steelers, but my 70s Steelers didn't have to do that when they drafted Webster, Lambert, Swan, and Stallworth in the same draft. Or your Niners, when they had that unbelievable draft, I think it was the year after Ronnie Lott. You know, like, I didn't, you didn't have to pay five pro bowlers yes. all the same time <laughs> hitting free agency after you won the Super Bowl and everyone in the league's giving them huge money. You know, I mean, some of it, you just get poached and it's really hard to be that second wave of drafting where still hit on a third rounder, a fourth rounder, knowing that ah, chancellor's on his way out. We got to find the next strong safety. And they've, they've failed in that regard. They have not drafted particularly well on defense. And I think Seattle drafts are as interesting as any because I'm not saying I know more than Seattle about the draft, but we study it and there's a lot of draft nicks out there. And trust me, I think every team knows more than Mel, Todd, Dane Brugler, all those guys, especially about their team. But the Rashad Penny pick and Collier, yeah. um, the linebacker they just took two years ago, and then they trade all their first two. So they're bad at first round picks and they don't make that many. <laughs> it's they're really bad at first round picks, but then <laughs> really they go bad. up and get DK Metcalf to make up for it. And and so that's that's the key. If you're gonna miss on first rounders, you gotta hit some later picks. So get yourself a Sherman in the fifth round, get yourself a DK in the last pick of the second round. And and that's how you keep things going, even if you're that bad in the first round. So if I'm right. Seattle, I'm trading my first round picks too, because for some reason there's there's a block when it comes to first round picks for them. Yeah, and that's what I mean about the analysts too, is not only have they not hit, but the second they go to the podium and pick Penny or Collier or one of these guys, everybody that's in the know says, geez, could you got what him the hell at <laughs> least a round later? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so, pretty yeah. amazing. It's amazing. You, you better hit him. Yeah, it just makes it hard. Uh, I'm going to sneak in one more question here. And by the All way, right. we'll, we'll get back to our Twitter Tuesdays next week. So at BD Peacock on Twitter, at Williamson NFL, get your questions in for Tuesday and we'll talk Pythagorean win totals as well. I'm picturing Matt on the beach with his toes in the sand and, and looking at Pythagorean win totals while he's on vacation. Um, the iPad came out poolside. Quite oh, okay. A bit. <laughs> this one from Spencer. And uh, I, I got a couple of people that, that brought this name out there. And it was an omission, I think, on our part. But he said, just listen to your day three Pro Bowl roster episode. And don't know if there's a cutoff for draft year. But was surprised to not hear Geno Atkins on the defensive line, arguably arguably the best day three defensive tackle of recent memory. Um, I totally whiffed on looking at Geno Atkins, and he was actually in the first draft when they went from I think it was 2010 where they went from two rounds to to or two days to three days. So he was mm, okay. on the on the first. So he he made the cutoff. He was a day three pick, Geno Atkins. End of his career, but I think still would have made our roster. So uh, we do have to remedy that and put Geno Adkins' name out there. And there was multiple people who tweeted at us about Geno. Yeah, and, and he's not currently with the team. I'm mm -hmm. sure he will be by you know in the next month or so. Um, yeah, it, 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 certainly an omission. We should have added him. But he would have been one of these guys, and, and our D-tackles weren't phenomenal. So I would have, if you would have given me Geno with that roster, I would have been like, Geno, we need... 20 snaps from you yes. you know you're our, our 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 closer coming off the bench you're the guy we want to keep fresh third and eight you're going to be out there every time but we don't want you taking on double teams on first and ten second and four you know i mean we're going to get the most out of your energy 
Well said. So shout out Geno Atkins, Geno 911. You are you made the team. You're on the roster. Yeah, great career. No doubt about it. I'm sure Gino was listening to this podcast and sweating it. <laughs> He's been worried this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Welcome back from vacation, Matt. Next week we'll get into a number of different things at BD Peacock on Twitter, at Williamson NFL. Hit us for the Twitter Tuesday. Talk to you then right here. Peacock and Williamson.